Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts and Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, episode 202 of the Gridiron Blitz. And today we have a fantastic show in the inner no-joke football huddle. We are going to have the legendary quarterback of the D.C. Divas. It's going to be Allie Hamlin coming in to talk about the Divas for 2018, the transition. We're also going to talk about the world games that she participated with Team USA and her new role in supporting the Divas in the WFA 2018 season. And we're going to talk the state of the game with the legendary quarterback about where she sees the game going here, international growth happening all over, plus the world of women's games have basically elevated a lot of the talent, not just in the States or North America, but in Europe and everywhere else. So, or get her thoughts on what's happening with uh, women's great iron and the impact uh, that women's American football is having, including the WFA and the IWFL, which uh, some players from overseas have come over to participate in, in the sport. And so uh, we'll see what her thoughts are. She'll be coming in and chiming in. She's a busy lady. Everybody knows she's a homicide detective. So um, she was going to chime in today and we'll get her in as soon as she gets some free time here but hopefully within the hour here. And as soon as she chimes in, we will go ahead and start the huddle with her. Um, I do not have my co-host today. Uh, today, we uh, Troy Wilson is not available today. Uh, there was some emergency that came up for him. And Holly uh, had some surgery. So we wish her well and some recovery here. And she shall be back next week. So I'm flying solo today. So hopefully I don't bore everybody here. But other than that, uh, we're going to talk about college football, what happened this weekend with the committee, uh, setting up the four teams that are going to be in the college playoff, which is Clemson, uh, number one, you had Oklahoma, number two, Georgia, number three, and uh, Alabama gets bumped to number four, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Auburn, and Southern Cal finish up the rest of it. So we'll touch base on that as well. We'll dive into some Heisman finalists, uh, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and uh, Bryce Love, pretty much the three finalists for it. Uh, we'll get some feedback with Troy and uh, Holly next week in terms of that for the, uh, for the Heisman finalists. And we have coaching carousels all over college football. Uh, if you haven't been on the social media sites, pretty much everywhere, there's uh, scandals, there is firing there's shifting pretty much everything is going on in college football besides the on-field play and we got to dive in also to the nfl weekend what a game pittsburgh versus cincinnati 
it just it was just a an issue of I don't know what you want to call it, but a train wreck mentality by some players to go with the helmet to helmet mentality. Uh, even on uh, on Antonio Brown in the end zone, Georgia Ioloka of the Bengals decided to just go with the cheap shot, not even a wrap tackle, nothing of a formal tackle. And I think the NFL needs to address that right away because it's causing a lot of problems uh, in terms of how the sport is being played, but you're actually responsible for the on-field play of fundamentals. And if you're teaching or a young person or a high school athlete player is watching the pros completely go on cheap shots in a WWE mode, then we're, we're looking at the sports death because if the youth cannot be educated above at a pro level to be safe and play the sport the right way, then at this point we are have, we have a reckless sport. And the only issue that's going to happen here is that uh, that's going to be the, the way that the, everybody will play below you. And I think the NFL players are missing the boat here. They have a total responsibility as visible athletes to in, ensure and to make sure that the product on the field is played at, a, at the best level of fundamental football it can. Considering we have all this CTE issues with just the cranium issues that are happening with football, the negativity that's been portrayed for the NFL, you would think that uh, this would be a swift issue, especially with those players that, are, that just, just want to go rogue. They just want to be able to take out somebody uh, Ryan's uh, Chassier of the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers uh, last night on a form, um, non-form tackle, lower body, near the hip line, and he angled his head, his head with his helmet, and he temporarily had what you call a back paralysis, uh, temporary paralysis. He was laying on the ground, and he could not have, didn't have any movement. Uh, we are being told now by sources that Ryan is recovering somewhat well. Um, there is no concrete whether he's back to full force at this point or not, but what uh, the sources on Twitter and on Facebook and on the major ESPN and Fox Sports is that he is recovering. He even tweeted out that he was in good state at this point, so that's hopeful news there. It was just a horrendous scene yesterday, mash unit football between uh, the Bengals that doesn't boast well for the NFL in terms of sportsmanship and keeping it at a high-level product. So I'm hoping that uh, the suspensions were swift, which is normally not the case with the NFL. And the NFLPA, I think, needs to address its players when these players go out of the boundaries of normal uh, fundamentals in football and they have a tendency to start you know, going into a thug mode, what I consider off-the-street mentality of playing football. Um, form tackling is in, uh, just gone. We've talked to Bobby Hosea in the past in our, in our podcast how it's important to have form, proper form tackling without leading with the crown to prevent CET and also to prevent those kind of issues that will cause you some temporary paralysis, whether it be lower body or upper body, just in the case of what happened to Ryan Shasir. So a uh, lot of things going on in pro football that uh, this weekend that just caused a lot of, uh, oh, my God, uh, is this a safe sport? And then you got 
parents, um, especially with the women's game, not necessarily in terms of the danger, but, you know, you have youth girls now wanting to participate in the sport. And uh, if the NFL is not uh, going to be responsible for monitoring their players on the field. And I think the Zebras yesterday should have ejected a couple of players. They should have been gone as soon as they know that that's obviously not a form of fundamental football. They should have been gone right off the bat and then allowed the NFL PA and the NFL to um, go ahead and, um, you know, address the suspensions after the day. But some of those players should have been gone. Um, and that should have sent a message, strong message to those players that that's not allowed. And your career is going to be very short as a superstar in this league. So uh, that's what happened this weekend. And um, we're going to dive into a couple things like that. Uh, the Patriots continue their winning streak eight games in a row. We already know that that was going to happen here. Minnesota, with Case Keenum, has started to make a statement for the Vikings as a top-tier team. I am looking forward to my Rams this weekend taking on Minnesota. It's going to be a clash of two top teams in the NFC. It's going to allow the, the playoff picture to be more clear and to also help us out in terms of what the NFL will um, work with in terms of the playoffs. So we'll, we'll figure it out right now, um, trying to find out who's going to be in the playoffs, but it looks like uh, the clash will be Minnesota uh, Rams this weekend. We'll talk about it here in the in the hour to figure that out. Um, Gronk officially ruled out for suspension. And so uh, that's going to be uh, a case that we have to watch for and see how it affects the Patriots at this at this point. And see, uh, we'll go forward with that. Uh, Kyan Drake of the of the Dolphins played a great uh, great great week uh, for Miami with fantasy football implications here. A uh, great star for that. So, uh, you know, hats off to him. He's played a great game. And then you, uh, you also have Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, Green Bay, with Huntley playing here. And Huntley got a lot of heat in the first week after Rodgers went down. But he's sort of settled in. He's playing comfortable now. And the Packers are up on an upswing. So we're looking at Jamal Williams as a as a big-time uh Fantasy fantasy point star. If you're playing fantasy, one of the one of the running backs that you can actually count on. The rebound of Alex Smith this weekend. Uh, everybody was giving him heat. Uh, they're going, hey, what happened to Alex Smith? Uh, we need to bench Alex Smith. Sort of the uh, a la Eli Manning, who's back this week for the Giants, um, and we'll talk about that right now in a second. But uh, but for the most part, Alex Smith came back, and w- there is no doubt that he is the quarterback for the Chiefs. I think they just had a bad two-game slump. People were pushing the panic button too early. You can't do that in the NFL. you got to stay focused week to week. That's usually the message that every uh, top coach will give you, as well as the quarterbacks. So uh, a rebound for Alex Smith here this week. Uh, Josh McCown and the Jets, surprising. Even though the Giants, you know, given the Giants are down this year, the Jets have played some decent ball and uh, McCown leading the way with the Jets as well. Um, so week 13 was interesting in that sense. But uh, Wentz versus Goff, it's going to be pretty interesting in terms of the NFC playoff picture and who's going to stand out uh, between the Eagles, the Rams, and the Vikings. The I'm looking forward to see if the Rams will meet up with the Vikings once more 
given the fact that they got spanked the first time around and they got out, outplayed by the Vikings. I'm looking forward to see how the Rams and the Vikings, if they do meet up in a uh, playoff mode, I'm looking forward to that matchup once again. So uh, Coach McVay, not because I'm a Rams fan or anything like that, but I think Coach McVay does have a shot at Coach of the Year. It's an impressive turnaround. You also have uh, Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. And as always, you got to throw in uh, Bill Belichick in uh, New England and uh, Peterson in Philadelphia. So I think those four uh, are the leading runners for Coach of the Year. Uh, the power rankings right now are going to sh- uh, sh- shows us the pa- the Pats, the Eagles, and the Vikings and the Steelers pretty much in the power rankings, top power rankings. But uh, let's go into uh, talking college football here. In the college football playoff rankings, Clemson tops the final poll here. Alabama edges Ohio State for the last spot. So we're looking at Clemson number one at 12 and one, and then you had Oklahoma 12 and one. Um, Georgia, Alabama, round up the top four, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Auburn, USC, Penn State. Um, so uh, that rounds up most of the top ten. So as soon as the final horn sounded on Saturday uh, in the Big Ten Championship, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia appeared to be locks to make the playoff. The final spot was pretty much a toss-up between Ohio State and Alabama. Crimson Tide ultimately got the nod. Uh, Ohio State and USC probably had a better uh, resume than Alabama, but as we talked to Holly before, this is sort of like a pageantry type of contest with the committee uh, to you know to see if they're going to allow four, four of the best teams to compete in the national championship. So you're looking for the four best teams, and Alabama, one of the four best teams, uh, that was in question, I guess, within the committee that came out. And so there's only... This is obviously the fourth, I think the fourth year. Yeah, the fourth year of this playoff system. So everyone's still pretty much learning what makes the committee tick, what's going to impress the committee. Uh, The past two years in particular have shown that it's not all about uh, the performance on the field. And and so it's like future performance, uh, which is different than, you know, the NCAA tournament like in in basketball where you're basically on results and then you're pushing in. Um, Ohio State has two wins, Penn State and Wisconsin, uh, better than Alabama's best win. So uh, you have to sit there and kind of ponder and find out if Clemson, uh, would you rather face Ohio State or uh, Alabama at this point? Uh, Most would say Ohio State, Alabama, you know, you would go with Ohio State. Alabama has one loss on the road at Auburn. Uh, which is perfectly reasonable because Auburn's a good team. Uh, the middle of the SEC was down this year, so Alabama smoked most of their teams on their schedule, and they played their schedule admirably. And Florida State's free fall didn't help the uh, Crimson Tide strength of record. Um, so Alabama beat the teams that they had to beat. Uh, so uh, this is what you got. You got the Clemson uh, top knot at, at this point. Uh, teams basically – have to vie for the committee's uh, acceptance. And so that's what it is. Right or wrong, it sets up for a fascinating matchup between number one Clemson and number four Alabama. The teams have split the last two national championships. Both games uh, were really great. Uh, we'll get to see it again uh, in the semifinal instead of a final. 
Um, so uh, Dabo Sweeney, uh, you know, off the record, you can see him saying he'd rather face number two Oklahoma or number three Georgia instead of Alabama. But, you know, this, this, this is the way it works. And this is what you do. You deserve the shot. And you already got ranked in to the committee. So Senning's ranking uh, shows all about the final spot. But Oklahoma versus Georgia promises to be a compelling matchup. Uh, Baker Meatfield hasn't faced a defense as good as the Bulldogs all year. And he's one of the Heisman finalists for the, for the award. And uh, Georgia hasn't faced a quarterback on Mayfield's level. So Oklahoma um, coach Riley implied earlier this year that the SEC is a bit overrated and that his offense could explode against any team in any conference. So he's got a lot of uh, pride, which he should. He obviously knows his personnel well enough to do that. So we'll see how uh, you know that works out. But Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama are all historic programs with star-studded rosters. So it's going to be a great ending there in terms of football coverage for the college football playoff. And since the beginning of the season, I've been asking Troy and Holly about, you know, how does this we get here? This is another season. Uh, and to their point, this is another season. This is like the second season coming up. It's a, the second scenario. And now the top teams go there. And then all the college bowl games are going to be listed. So if you go to college football um, playoff, uh, you search it on Twitter or Bing, or uh, you can search it pretty much everywhere. Or you can go to NCAA.com and you can get pretty much all the rundown on everything that's happening in terms of the playoffs that are coming up. Among Mayfield, we talked about uh, Mayfield being among the uh, three Heisman Trophy winners or Heisman Trophy candidates for the for the award. Um, the other two, you have Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, which we've talked about frequently on the show, Bryce Love, um, we'll see how, you know, they turn out, but those are the finalists that were announced um, for the trophy. And so I wanted to get a take from both Holly and Troy about, you know, um, which, which one is going to be more deserving at this point, but uh, Mayfield seems to be the front runner for the award. And we'll see if that stays the same uh, for him at this point. Um, I'm going to try to get up here. Let me get my notes here, figure it out here. Let me get the notes. Um, while I'm trying to get my notes here, just a reminder, you can support our project um, and help us out with uh, a purchase at Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Every sale of a shirt from Zazzle.com uh, goes out to spotlight another amazing, talented athlete that's playing women's American football, either internationally or in the States. And so uh, check it out on specials every day and get your stuff early because Christmas will be here before you know it. So order it. You can do expediting as well, three to five day expediting overnight as well. It's going to cost you a little bit more, but if you go early, you'll be able to get everything. So uh, check out our, all our stuff, over 200 items on the Zazzle.com Great Iron Beauty Shop. And uh, every sale supports us. We don't make any money on it. For every shirt, we get about four bucks. That goes into the talent pool, as we call it. And then at that point, once it's garnered enough money to acquire the shirts, then we all obviously ship it out to another talented player that's playing amazing women's American football. So thanks for the support. You can get the link on our Facebook page at the Shop Now tab. Check it out. 
And then you can also go to Twitter you know, on our Twitter link on our profile. And coming up in January, we're going to be announcing January, we are going to be on Snapchat and we're doing a total different initiative uh, this coming January 2018. We're going to be spotlighting a lot of amazing players from all over the world uh, that play top level MVP caliber in their leagues with their teams. And they're going to be telling them, uh, telling them a Snapchat story on Snapchat. So we're going to be doing Snapchat in 2018. So really awesome and excited uh, that that's going to happen. And we will be announcing on our Twitter and Facebook page, the athletes that obviously are going to be on the Snapchat uh, throughout these uh, 2018 as we go towards the WFA and the IWFL 2018 season. So um, let me take a look here at what we got here. Um, it's going to be Mayfield. Let me look at my notes here. So Mayfield, is, who's likely to win the award for the Heisman we're talking about here, uh, has been incredible in this year. He has 4,430 passing yards and 41 touchdowns. He's averaged a whopping 11.76 yards per attempt and is completing 71% of his throws. Uh, perhaps uh, more importantly, Mayfield led his team to the college football playoffs, of course. Oklahoma will take on Georgia in the Rose Bowl, where the winner will play for the national championship. So big-time player, looks to probably go in the draft high. Uh, the Sooners, uh, you know, basically at this point, they have a shot. If he wins the national championship, it's a totally different story for him at this point. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who won the Heisman last year, has been nearly as productive in, uh, in 2017. The problem with Louisville, it has stumbled out of the gates. So the Cardinals are 8-4 and four now, but their early struggles didn't help Jackson's Heisman campaign. But as usual, he's posted a phenomenal amount of numbers. Jackson has uh, 3,489 passing yards. 1,443 rushing yards, and 42 total touchdowns. He's also thrown three fewer interceptions than he did in uh, last year. He's averaging the same yards uh, per pass attempt, so pretty impressive there. And then we can't forget Bryce Love's journey from North Carolina. Uh, Bryce Love has battled nagging injuries in the second half of this year. Uh, total uh, total body of work is uh, still awfully, awfully impressive. Um, He's put in, I think, 1,972 rushing yards, 17 touchdowns, and he's averaging about over eight yards per carry. So uh, Love ran for at least 147 yards in his first seven games this season. A few of his uh, most noteworthy performances was against Arizona State. He ran for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. Against UCLA, he uh, rambled for 263 yards and a score. And those games happen to be in back-to-back weeks, which is more impressive than anything. So Stanford lost McCaffrey from 2016, but Love isn't as much as a receiving threat as McCaffrey, but he's even better as a pure runner. So there you go. So that's what you're looking at in terms of the Heisman uh, trophy race. Um, So we'll dive into Eli Manning's situation now. Figure out uh, at this point, why would you bench him last week? And I'm talking about McDo. Uh, and the general manager in the Giants, which had no balls, basically, to say, no, we're not benching this player. We're just going to ride the ship until the end of the year. So I don't know if there was a vendetta there to just end Manning's uh, streak at 210. Um, and now, you know, a week later here, the coach, the coach gets fired. 
the general manager gets eliminated, and and all of a sudden we got Eli Manning starting for the Giants, as it was announced this uh, today, that they're going to start for the Giants this coming Sunday. So I mean, just what a knucklehead move for the Giants. I'm pretty sure the owner of the Giants saw that. The fan base reaction was just, "What are you doing? You're replacing Manning for Geno Smith." I mean. Just, uh, nothing nothing against Geno Smith. I think Geno Smith's pretty talented. He's got some capabilities. But, you know, you're writing a bad season already. Why would you do that? You might as well go with, as Troy mentioned before, you might as well go with the guy that's going to be your future. I don't think Eli would have been as mad with that. But uh, this coaching scenario in the Giants is just just horrible. I don't understand how they are living with themselves right now making a decision of what's going on with them in terms of the scope. I mean, it's just, they're not even relevant at this point in the uh, playoff picture. Uh, so to sit him week before, and all of a sudden now you're going to start him again, just a disaster. What disasters, that's all it is. Um, the, the picture gets clearer here this week, week 14 for the NFL because now we're going to separate everybody out. The teams that will be eliminated, just so if you didn't know, the the Browns have been eliminated. That's literally the butt joke for us. The Browns have been eliminated. And what a, what a disaster the Browns are uh, at that point. But uh, they have not improved, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, Eli Manning back as the starting quarterback in, in New York. That's a good sign for the Giants. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, for Pittsburgh, based on all the stuff that happened this past um, this past game against Cincinnati, I think they should rebound at this point, um, you know, even more. I think they played a good game. They came back. And the Bengals literally just collapsed. They collapsed. Uh, Andy Dalton and company, A.J. Green, they, what are you doing? You're up by 17 points uh, before the half. And all of a sudden, you collapse. Just not a good thing. Not a good thing. And so, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say with that. I mean, you just you had a a, a win. How how Marvin Lewis still keeps his job? I have no idea. The Houday crew, the Houday clan on Twitter was just going crazy. How does he keep his job? This is the same scenario that I had when Jeff Fisher the coach of the Rams in terms of his seasons there with no playoff appearances and just like, you know, once in a while you'd beat Seattle and you get lucky and all of a sudden that's how you keep your job. I don't know how you, you would do that, but that's how it was done. And I think Marvin Lewis has gone into what, I think 11 years or almost 12 years now, and he still has a job. Um, so it's like, I don't know, Cincinnati has not been that relevant in, in terms of a playoff picture. But uh, they have been better in terms of a mix in the mix in the AFC uh, North. But just, I don't know, just how do you do that? I don't know. But uh, anyways, we'll talk about uh, week, um, week 13 to week 14. And we, I, I read up here about MVPs. We never talk about defensive players of the year because normally it's offensive. Normally every – MVP usually is a quarterback, um, maybe a running back. But we never talk about 
you know, a defensive player being MVP. I'll throw out my guy, Aaron Donald, for the Rams. Um, I think he's played tremendous, even uh, though he missed a, a couple games at the beginning of the season. He's done a great job. You can also uh, throw out there Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Chandler Jones from the Cardinals. You could put, you know, make a make a point for Joey Boza. Uh, they're all having great seasons in, in terms of their defensive stance. Uh, Jordan, um, he pretty much is great. Um, he's done he tor- pretty much tortured the Rams um, when they played against the Saints. But uh, other than that, be- besides J.J. Watt being Alex is probably the only guy we talk about in terms of MVP. It's like, oh, J.J. Watt might be an MVP. I got Bobby Wagner, the linebacker, doesn't get noticed as much there, uh, especially, you know, now that Richard, uh, Sherman and Chandler are pretty much out and they're shorthanded. Um, same thing, you know, Bobby Wagner should be defensive defensive MVP. That's what the Doug Baldwin would tell you. Um, but he's, he's obviously not a defensive MVP, but that's one of the guys. The other guys we're talking about is Calais Campbell from the Jaguars, defensive end. Similar to Jordan in a lot of ways, um, all-around lineman. He has a good break, uh, great breakout, 12, 12 and a half sacks, which is third most in the NFL. So that obviously elevates his case a little higher. Um, but, uh, you know, then you got Everson Griffin from the Vikings, who's, who's also the, – they've been one of the best defenses as a unit leading the way. So it's, it's been great. Um, to uh, be able to look at them and see what they, how they're doing there with them. You also have Cameron um, Hayward from the Chargers, uh, Melvin Ingram, or Eagles defensive end Brandon Graham. The MVP for quarterbacks, I mean, you would have to put a couple lists here, so we'll go through the list here. Brady, as always, has to, has to be in the conversation. Um, you got him on there. If you're not voting for Brady pretty much during one of the very best seasons of his career, it feels like, you're taking excellence away from him. Uh, just like, uh, you know, you would say that obviously LeBron James is not worthy or Carl Malone or Michael Jordan as an example. But Brady still needs to close out strong. But he should have a big lead over the field, of course. Um, should be able to win the East and then get into the playoffs. And this has been consistent for him. So this year, no different. Carson Wentz uh, coming up short in Seattle. Could stick in the minds of voters because of the way they – you know, they pretty much lost. Um, so, But they've had 12 incredible games at this point. Um, a great running back. Uh, Wentz appears to, you know, pretty much beat you, uh, beat defenders week to week, and he's played well, uh, upright, and the offensive line has kept him really good. You got Russell Wilson from the Seahawks. Put the Seahawks on his back. Wasn't a happy guy because they obviously won. I would have preferred the Seahawks to have lost on my end as a a fan of the Rams, of course, but uh, overall he's played good and he's done his job. I think he deserves to be a candidate there. Antonio Brown, uh, if you take him away from, from Pittsburgh, all those close wins could turn to losses. So he's a big, big time player and uh, receiver. And that's how much he means to the uh, Steelers. And you got Todd Gurley, uh, the NFL's leader in, in yards from scrimmage. Um, so he's done a really good job of closing uh, they've done, you know, McVay has done a tremendous job utilizing him, sort of a, a la Marshall Falk in a lot of ways also. And when you talk about coaching, coach of the year, 
you've got to talk about Sean McVay, not because I'm a Rams guy, but plenty of options for this award. But McVay's turnaround of the Rams in Los Angeles has helped in nearly all the, you know, put together an offensive unit that they didn't have under Fisher. So there's no greater advantage in the NFL than having a quality starting quarterback as a, uh, on a rookie contract and a coach who can bring out the best in the quarterback. And we all knew that when McVay was coming to Los Angeles, this would, would be a, a possibility because of what he had with Kirk Cousins in Washington. And he's done a tremendous job of getting um, Jared Goff to buy into his system so that the Rams at this point with the excellent coaching staff that he has with Wid Phillips and um, John Fossil, they have put, some, uh, put, some, put together a lethal uh, offensive unit that obviously could go deep in the playoffs. But we will see. Obviously, they faltered against Minnesota. They have to show some more good wins and going into the playoffs. That's where it matters. So Mike Zimmer, let's talk about Minnesota here. Uh, he's obviously turned this team around. The defense has played well. Case Keenum has played amazing. Why would you change it? Why would you go to Bridgewater at this point? There should be no reason. Don't make the Giants knucklehead move of benching a, you know, a, a good player and then all of a sudden switching it out. You're on a good roll. Keep it going. Bill Belichick, Patriots, um, always in the conversation. And so no team is better at ident- identifying weaknesses and covering them up than these uh, New England Patriots, and he's done a tremendous job there. Doug Peterson, would probably be the, uh, then the guy next to that I would probably put to McVay, uh, given the Eagles season. He's done a fantastic job building the offense around Carson Wentz's strengths and has mostly avoided the game management, you know, problems that you've said, uh, seen in the past, uh, the easy plagues, a rookie head coach. But I think he's done a real good job there. Uh, the turnaround of the Saints as well this year, you would have to put Sean Payton maybe in the conversation. But, uh, that's the, the two, the, the coaches that we, uh, or uh, that I would consider at this point, um, if we have to talk about coach of the year in terms of an award. And so um, I, I just, you know, it, it's getting down now to week 14. And now it's really going to be a situation where all teams are being considered in terms, you know, is your season over and who's taking over in terms of, how do we go into next season, especially for the bottom feeder teams, the teams that are in the lower, they're going to miss the playoffs. They're never going to get better. Uh, San Francisco, for example, uh, Garoppolo uh, has just infused them, even with no big wins. Uh, he's pocket, his pocket presence for the Niners is, is just a, you know, a great thing to see. They're looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully they extend his contract. It's a great thing that they're playing him now. Shanahan's playing him till the end of the season. See, you get a feel for them. See if they're going to want to keep them. Um, I think that's a good move. You have to see what you have in your quarterback, in your leader. Uh, the Niners do have some capability and tools to go forward next year in terms of uh, defensively, they're still okay. Offensively, that's where they lack some uh, issues. But uh, they got patches of players that they have to, you know, fill in or get from the draft or or maybe even get from free agency going forward in 2018, but much improved there. And who, you know, who, who knows, you know, Jimmy might turn out to be the answer in San Francisco. Uh, not that I'm wishing for that because I'm a Rams guy, but, but for a Niner fan, you would think uh, that's a good thing for Holly. Obviously that's a good thing. Cause it's going to turn around the ship and put you back into uh, 
uh, back into some sort of contention or, or being in contention in, in terms of the West as well. So, um, you know, that's how it works out in terms of patching up your weaknesses. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in Cleveland because Cleveland's just a dumpster fire every year. Uh, if they let go of Hugh Jackson after a season, that's normally the pattern in Cleveland. You, you give a coach, what, uh, 12 games, and then all of a sudden you panic and you let him go, have no time to build anything. Uh, Josh Gordon just came back. So, I mean, it's just, you know, the Browns need to just retool on every level, and they got to be realistic. Their program hasn't worked the way it's been going, and so you got to figure it out. Maybe call Bel- Maybe they need to call Bill Belichick back, get some advice, see what's going on with them in, in that aspect of it. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, we are – we're going to be talking to uh, Allie Hamlin coming up here in the No Joke Football Huddle uh, within the hour here. And as soon as she gets freed up, uh, she will get chime in with us. And we'll be, we're going to be talking pretty much women's American football and uh, the state of the game. We're also going to be chatting about the D.C. Divas for 2018 and how that's going to transpire over in the WFA. We've been very excited. The last couple of podcasts, we've been talking about the IWFL because it's just renewed itself if you missed the uh, our 200 show we talked to adrian smith about the uh, renegades making another run uh our podcast two, uh, 201 we talked to uh, scott mccarran as well as um to cindy butts howden on the seattle majestics how they're going to try to make an impact in the iwfl 2018 versus the utah uh, falcons and uh, of course the top-notch teams, the Austin Yellow Jackets, bring on the San Diego Surge as well. So a lot of a lot of football and women's gridiron that we have to talk about. And while we're doing that, let's talk about Down Under, because this weekend, sun, the Sun Bowl happened down south, gridiron Queensland. Sun Bowl, uh, our MVP, Christy Moran, and taking on uh, Amanda Ayers and um, – on as the Gold, uh, as the Thunder, the Griffith Thunder taking on the Bayside Ravens. Coming into the matchup, Bayside had pretty much owned the season. Nine and one, finished strong. Uh, even in the playoffs, they, they pretty much ran ran the table, as you can say. They come into this game pretty excited, and the first in the first half of the game, a lot of excitement happened. Uh, a first strike was for the Thunder. And then right after that, it was all Bayside until the end of the game. Uh, Thunder struggled tremendously throughout the game. Not what you saw there uh, with the upset against Gold Coast uh, Stingrays. But uh, the 50-20 to 20 score doesn't reflect the toughness and the grittiness of the Griffith uh, Thunder that they played until uh, the end. Uh, Amanda uh, Years. Uh, scored at the end, uh, touchdown before the final seconds of the game ended. Just a, you know, cool, cool way to end the season. They had an amazing season as well. They started off pretty slow, and then towards the last couple weeks of the season, they had a forfeit, and then they won a couple games, and then the upset against Go Coast Stingrays. Um, just says a lot about this team. They're going to be ready for battle in 2018. So congratulations to. Uh, Chrissy Torres out there, um, and obviously uh, Kristen Moran, uh, Christy Moran, all the uh, talented uh, Ravens out there who just punched it in. They get their first title in franchise history, 
Um, the Ravens were here before in 2015, and they lost. But uh, this year, with the addition of the MVP, uh, they end up punching it in, and they get their win in terms of the championship. So that'll be the team to beat next year. And the league has improved tremendously since the start. Uh, and every team is very competitive now. And we're getting down to every game pretty much being uh, somewhere in that 10 to 15 difference in terms of points. And once you get that, and there was a couple close games also defensively. So defensively, we've gotten better. Offensively, it's tighter games. So Great Aaron Queensland has really done a tremendous job out there in terms of putting up a amazing product. Uh, and you can see the game via live stream on our Twitter feed. You have the link there on our uh, pin profile. And you can also go to our Facebook page and look for it. You can always search uh, Gridiron Queensland on Facebook. You can go on Twitter at Gridiron, at Gridiron QLD to get the latest there. Um, as soon as we get Gridiron Down Under, uh, gridirondownunder.com to do their profile, and we will go ahead and share them on our social sites as well. Take a look at our gallery on Instagram where we have the Ravens um, um, Matt Mark photo created this cool video that we just had to share and it's awesome as the Ravens are coming out of the tunnel uh, at the Sun Bowl. It's a tremendous view there and so um, you, you got to watch it. Go to Instagram.com forward slash create Iron Beauties. Check out our gallery there of all the amazing, talented women that play American football globally. So uh, awesome. Awesome uh, for uh, Matt Mark up there, Matt Mark photos uh, on Instagram as well. Uh, the other news is that we had this past week, and Holly, unfortunately, was not here today to, to kind of give us the insights, but we'll, we'll get insights for her, from her next week. It is the Minor League Women's Hall of Fame that happened in Vegas this past weekend. Uh, the West All-Stars take the win 30-0. to zero. It was a big overmatch, basically. The West played way better than the East, um, of course, because you have Coach Rasmussen and the Utah Falcons, Chris McCarron out there on the one side, so um, kind of a disadvantage in terms of coaching. But uh, overall, it was a great event. Some minor, uh, you know, first-year uh, issues in terms of arrangements and getting everything to be kind of seamless, but uh, other than that, uh, the event was a good event, and it's, it was with the minor league uh, pro football event that happened in Vegas. So it was the, the uh, Women's Hall of Fame game. Pretty much it was billed as the All-Star game, 30-0, to zero, the West won versus the East. And we'll get Holly's feedback next week when she's back in terms of how the event went and how it, the weekend went as well. Uh, the big news that jumped out in the women's sports scene this week was IFAB was suspended um, for anti-doping payments uh, by the global uh, organization that um, obviously monitors the um, the compliance. But given the fact that IFAB, uh, year, IFAB in Paris, IFAB New York, which has been a disaster at this point, uh, it's been just a total disaster in terms of, I, I don't even call it, I mean, Wakey, uh, Tommy Wiking and everybody else involved in this uh, organization, um, just what a mess. And so, you know, when you start thinking about what happened and who happens, 
you know, what happens here is just crazy. So Paris expels USA football. The IFAB Paris expelled USA football and then ended up going to the United States Federation of American Football, which nobody knew about, nobody cared about. Because when you think about women's um, or American football, you always think of, okay, it's USA football, a partner with the NFL, and all of a sudden you have USA football partner with the NFL. That's all you think about, but that's not the case here. And so um, you have two factions that are completely separated. And so um, we have a mess in our hands. And what's his name? Uh, Tommy Winking pretty much is the one responsible um, for the issue of what's going on with this and his things that happened by him now put this put the sport in a bad situation i mean it's just it's just horrendous um just horrendous in terms of what's going on with this uh let me pull up the article here so i have it on here let me just read it in terms of what happened here and why they're doing all this in terms of this disaster that happened um let me pull it up here get you the information but basically the bottom line is um the organization, which was split at this point, the organization was split, and you have IFAB, who apparently owes money to uh, the um, anti-doping organization, the global, the global organization, and nobody's paid anything for it. So it's like nobody's paid anything in terms of how it owes, what it does, what it doesn't owe, and now they're looking to see who's going to pay up and nobody's been able to pay up, and so they suspended them. They said, hey, you're not paying up your money. You're, you're just going to be suspended. Not a good thing for – this is not a great thing, basically, for, um, for IFAB going forward because it's a, it's a broken faction. And if you have that mentality, then obviously that's not cool. You're breaking up an a organization that has been in place for a long, long time and then all of a sudden, you just decide because you break up your commitments, you falter on your commitments. Basically, that's what that's what it boils down to. Um, and what do you do? You you screw the sport. Ultimately, you, you end up screwing the sport. So that's what happened with them. It's just you know a situation where they need to understand that they got to do a better job of keeping up with what's going on and not screwing the sport. How it affects women's American football is the biggest factor here because they were on an upswing. And how does that affect us? How does that affect America, women's American football? It affects us a lot because we just had the world championships in Vancouver. And what do you do with the world championships in Vancouver? You know, you, you, basically, uh, you basically have a situation where um, you just had hype. You had uh, energy, you had everything going forward, and all of a sudden, now uh, you we had Football Canada take over, which is basically IFAB New York. IFAB New York has just become Football Canada. So, you know, Richard uh, McLeod there, he's just pretty much taken over. So you have to applaud Football Canada for for taking over. Um, you know, the situation that's been a disaster that uh, Tommy Wiking has created. Um, in terms of, um, you know, what 
that, that's going on in the international scene with the whole situation in terms of, you know, what's going on with the breakage, the, um, you know, the disaster that it is. So at this point, just to clarify, um, Richard uh, McLean is basically now the president of IFAB. Uh, if you go to Wikipedia, that's pretty much what it says. But, I, you know, what a disaster it is um, for IFAB. Um, IFAB was founded in 1998, and it was supposed to be, you know, the key resource for uh, American football worldwide. It was supposed to be the, you know, organization that would take care of competitions, um, you know, news and resources, health, safety, you know, all that stuff. And so um, it's, you know, it has, it's supposed to have worldwide membership and everything else that was included was uh, with USA football partnership with IFAB and USA football provide, you know, all the resources. And all of a sudden now it's like not even close to that. So what a disaster that it's become because Tommy, uh, Tommy Wiking apparently did not appreciate the fact that he was removed uh, from position of president. And this is about two years ago. And we've been going through this disaster for two years in terms of what's going on with the IFAB scene. So, um, you know, from a Sun Bowl attitude to IFAB, I apologize for being, you know, on the boredom part of things, you know, but um, that's how things work out, unfortunately. Um, and so, you know, you you have a situation where um, – you have a situation here where it's a mess internally. And so um, until they make their doping payments, the anti-doping services payments, um, I don't know what the ramifications will be for them to get back on track and start putting the sport back together. Um, but uh, what a mess. So I hope uh, Richard uh, McLean uh, understands uh, what the severity of it is, take care of it as, as quickly as possible. And then, um, you know, go with that route as well in terms of how can go, you go ahead and fix it. Um, go to our Facebook page. You can get the actual story, the whole story. It was done by American Football International. And uh, it, the story's on our actual Facebook page. You can get the rundown and the details there as well. And, uh, but uh, it's not going to end anytime soon. Hopefully, um, this will be a awakening for a lot of people in terms of, how they need to get back to normal, you know, back to normality in terms of growing the sport on all phases, which we had before, but uh, it has not happened. And so, you know, hopefully that's the case. And then if they do it well, then that's even better. And it's going to help everybody in general. So um, if you go to our Twitter feed, you get the uh, Tuesday thoughts and um, get a nice shot of all the players that were at the, Hall of Fame event, uh, which I said before, the West won 30-0 against the East in the inaugural match. So you take advantage of that. Take a look at the, all the um, the stuff that we got on our Twitter feed at Great Iron Beauty weekly. Um, we spotlight pretty much everything that's going on in the women's game. Uh, thank you to our network. Our network sources are so amazing. They give us pretty much a lot of information to uh, hand out to you guys and do the best thing we can, but just basically bring awareness to the sport get you up to date on what's going on with everything 
Um, you also have an article on our face on our Twitter feed uh, this week that was done by Neil Rosenthal out of neilrosenthal.com, the framework for a professional women's football league. We all talked about the WNFL. Is it possible? Will it mature? Will it be here? Um, so um, Neil dives into the conversation about pay pay to play or not pay to play, how that's going to go about. Will it be one league or two leagues? Do we have to maintain certain leagues again? Um, so there's a lot of intangibles behind it. So you can go to the our Twitter feed, look for it. Um, it's right there, the framework of a woman's professional league and how that, that would come about. Let's just check it out on there and uh, we'll take a look at see what other things we you know what other things you like on there but uh, other than that it's a great story and hopefully check it out all right um the other news that i had on here is minnesota vixen 20 years um there's players for the minnesota vixens uh some of the no most notable players uh jody ron handler and michelle braun and they're the ones that uh including two uh, two other players and so um, they're the ones that are actually signing their 20-year contracts, 20 years in women's American football. Can you believe that? Way back to 1999 when they started out in Minnesota. So congratulations to them. The other, the other intangible news is we have in here, uh, the, the U.S.'s premier youth girls tackle football league, Utah girls tackle football, is accepting registration for 2018. It is now going on. Registrations opens on December 1st, 2018 season. So you can sign up for the spring 2018 season as early as December 1st. You can follow them on Twitter at UtahGFL, UtahGFL, or you can go to our Twitter feed and get the link for UtahGirlsTackleFootball.com. So you can take a, take a look at that. The other thing you have on here is uh, the FX Mexico Division One semifinals happen this weekend, December 2nd and December 3rd. The champion, uh, the Kingas, shut out Ravens 32-0 to to advance to the final. And they uh, will take on Toluca Lobos. Division One <clears throat> semifinals also. Toluca Lobos edged the Meridian Arena 27-26 to advance to the finals. So FX Mexico finals are set. And this is going to be the big clash, Division One, Division Two, Division Three, Division Four. We'll post those up on our Facebook page as FX Mexico updates their uh, information for us. We also have Lexva that we haven't talked about in a while, but Lexva is also going to be in playoff mode, so we'll update that as we get the information set up for it. LFL uh, tryouts, 2018 tryouts are ongoing now. Temptation had their tryouts this past weekend. Ashley Solano was uh, pretty excited. Season right around the corner. Uh, you can follow her at Salerno8 underscore LA. And she's getting pretty pumped up for 2018. Temptation really want to get take a run back to their normal status of championship quality. Uh, and the LFL announced the 2018 schedule unveiled this afternoon. Chicago Bliss will host the Los Angeles Temptation on April 14th. That's when the season kicks off, and that's uh, going to be in Chi-Town. Two, two clashes, two former champs. Um, Jane Conwell taking on uh, Ashley Salerno. It's going to be a great matchup. The uh, L, uh, LFL Euro Tour, the Black Energy Europe Tour, uh, will kick off four dates. That will be in Poland, January 20th, 
so that the kickoff's in Poland, and then it's going to be three more dates that will be announced all the way through February before the uh, LFL season starts nationwide on April 14th. Uh, Gridiron West, we have Gridiron West that's happening as well. Um, Gridiron West uh, results, I'll bring them up as soon as we get them this weekend. Otherwise, you can go to Gridiron West uh, uh, Women's Football Leagues on Facebook. You can also look that up there on our uh, on the Facebook page for the Gridiron West. For Lexfa info, like I said, we'll get that up, and the results will be on our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties on Facebook. Let's see here. Um, what do I got? Oh, um, we got League of, League of the Football Bikini out of Cancun. Their Week 6 action results are coming, and we have them on our Facebook page. The Week 6 updates are happening there from all the various network sources that we uh, interact with out there, Ford Esto Online, Diagonal Sports, um, also covering that up up there. So um, check it out on our Facebook page. Week 6 of the LFB, uh, the Barracudas. The Bucaneras getting ready for another run and another clash in the finals. So uh, check it out as well on our uh, Facebook page there. Uh, congratulations to Savannah Milton. Uh, Savannah Milton and the NLR, um, the NLR uh, Chargers uh, over in Arkansas. Congratulations to her team for winning the 7A uh, State Arkansas National Championship. And look, pretty excited. Um, you can check out her, uh, her excitement and her championship trophy uh, picture on our Instagram at, in, uh, at instagram.com for slash great iron beauties. All right, guys, uh, go to the Zazzle site. Check out all the awesome stuff. You can get hoodies, you can get shirts, you can get pretty much leggings, everything else on our Zazzle.com site. Go to Zazzle.com for slash great iron beauties. If you're an international <clears throat> player, and you want to purchase the stuff, you can go to Zazzle.com, go down to the very bottom. It says Worldwide on the tab. Under the Worldwide tab, go ahead and link up your uh, country, your country code, and then go ahead and check out all the stuff that we have there. Um, there is a safe mode on the website, so you might have to do unsafe just to get the, the, whole, the whole inventory uh, of our stuff. So we'll go to the Worldwide tab underneath there. And if you don't like your stuff, you can take it back. Zazzle will take it back. If somehow you don't like the design you made or whatever, uh, there's a time frame you can take it back. So uh, pretty awesome. Um, I'm running out of uh, breath here for some reason. Um, but let's go into the Norwich Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we're going to be talking to the legendary quarterback of Team USA, as well as uh, DC Divas, the WFA legendary quarterback. And that's going to be Allie Hamlin. Hi, Allie. How are you doing today? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. All right, uh, Allie, everybody knows your uh, your NFL Films uh, profile uh, video that was out there, the um, the Diva Detective. So um, how, what kind of feedback did you get once that was put out there and everybody got to see it? Um, a lot of a lot of great feedback. Um, I'm fortunate to be supported uh, within my department, so you know everyone was very excited within our department. And you know I think that you know it reached reached across uh, different boundaries, um, and uh, you know hopefully it, it represented us well. Well, it was done really well because uh, NFL Films does a pretty good job with 
pretty much any feature that they do out there. So, um, and so, I mean, your thought was, was that a couple of weeks of production there or was this in between the job and doing that stuff? How did that all come about with, for the spotlight? They came out to, uh, they contacted us and, and asked if, um, you know, we'd be willing to participate in the story. Um, they were looking, um, for, you know, women in male dominated fields and, and thought that, you know, I would kind of fit into that mold. And of course, you know, anything to help the sport at this point, uh, you know, I'm willing to do. And so they came out to a game in the spring when we played Pittsburgh, um, were there the whole day, caught the whole game, which ended up being a great game uh, for both teams. And then they came out to my job. So they spent a good 25, 30 hours filming. And I honestly had no idea the direction they were going to go um, until it came out. So, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of filming, but yeah, like, like you said, they do great stuff and, you know, they took their time and, and, uh, you know, we're very thorough with everything, but um, it was, it was an honor that, you know, they, they wanted to do something. Um, and I'm glad that our sport was highlighted through it. All right, uh, Ellie, Vancouver, kind of excitement for you on Team USA. A lot of new teams, Mexico, Australia, Great Britain. Um, pretty much everybody is so excited for the summer, you know, in that summertime, just to get that event going. But, uh, get, you know, given the uh, stuff with IFAB that I just talked about previously here, but other than that, Football Canada did a pretty good job of putting it together quickly in a short amount of time. Uh, we could have had better announcers than what, you know, we were uh, expecting. But, you know, it, we can always improve on that. But uh, overall, what was your thoughts on the World Games? Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome ex- all around, obviously, to be amongst the best players, you know, um, in, in the United States, uh, players that I've idolized and played against for years. Um, so that was just cool, just being a football player you know, and not having to worry about going to work or waking up the next morning or, um, you know, just actually living as a football player. That, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I love the, the country of Canada. My family actually has property in Canada. I, so I spent a lot of time there and I love it. And, um, I, I thought they did a great job, uh, hosting it. Um, the, all the, you know, hospitality was, hospitality was great. And the, the other teams, I mean, they were, you know, um, there was clearly the improvement across the board, uh, across the world, uh, Mexico being, being the, um, the highlight of that. And it was great to see. I mean, you know, at this point, um, for me personally in my career, you know, the most important thing to me is that the sport lasts and we continue to grow. And there was no question that uh, uh, growth is being made. Um, I didn't hear about the announcers uh, until I got back. And that was a little disappointing because I feel like that's something that can, can, can be controlled. Um, you know, it, it doesn't take much to, I know, I, I, I know 10 people off the top of my head that would, would have done it for free who know, you know, the sport very well. So that was frustrating. You know, when you get a chance to put the sport out to the world like that, you want to do the best you can. You want to do it right. And I think the product there, I think we just got a little, do a little bit better job, you know, marketing and taking advantage of opportunities like that. But overall it was, it was a great experience. 
Now, uh, Allie, you've seen, you know, uh, really good football pretty much in the WFA for a long time, and you've done it, you know, for long periods of seasons now. The international scene there in Vancouver, did it surprise you that it, it just seemed like when we were, we were watching it, there's a lot of up-and-coming young stars, not just in the, you know, in the WFA, but overall, overall international. And Mexico, for example, and then uh, the Great Britain team, have been in place. I mean, Great Britain's been in place for five years. I think Mexico's been pretty much going for it for almost 11 years. So just the fact that um, other countries are just embracing the sport and just it's blossoming, it's got to give you a good feel, right, for, you know, for where the sport's headed. Uh, there's no question. Um, you know, of course we always want to take gold, but at the same time, we, you know, we want to see the sport grow. Um, that's way more important um, at this point. And the, the play, I was very impressed, uh, especially with Mexico. I mean, there was definitely a lot of great talent across the board, Great Britain and obviously Canada. Um, but it just goes to show, and think about Mexico, is you're talking about, you know, one team, um, and you know they don't have much flag football going on there. So, um, there's a lot of travel going on and, and a lot of sacrifice in that team. And I was extremely impressed, uh, especially with their defense, fearless and, uh, you know, flying all over the place. Um, but it just goes to show if if you give the opportunity to play, the coaching, the platform, um, this can be a world sport and women are clearly capable of doing it. And, you know, for it to grow, we need it to, you know, expand internationally. Um, teams need to be supported. Um, you know, disappointing to watch Germany, you know, fall by the wayside. You definitely don't want to have that happen. And, and I hope that, um, you know, it continues to grow. Um, but it, it's difficult um, within these countries. They don't have a lot of teams to play. Um, and, you know, they, but they, I give them a lot of credit because they want to play the best. They want to play us. They want to see us. They want to see, <clears throat> excuse me, what it takes to get there. And, you know, a bright future there, but it, it still needs a lot more support. Now, Allie, you've been, uh, you've been part of pretty much the transition of the sport since you started and all the way up to now since you retired. Um, a lot of inroads have been made. Uh, Welker doing her uh, fanfare tour, as they call it. And then you also have um, Rappaport now in, in the NFL realms. And you've been part of the uh, rural games as well. So um, what can you speak to all that that's happening in, you know, not on the field, but off the field? I mean, all of it is great. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Jen. I played against her, um, you know, in 2015. I'm sorry, 2016. And, um, you know, she's been around a long time too, and, and she's made a lot of strides and she's, you know, broken through a lot of barriers and, you know, she's representing our sport well. And, you know, what she's doing in cities and, you know, through NFL teams, um, you know, that's – we need that kind of support, um, you know, across across the board and, and to be able to cross over into NFL teams. Um, you know, at this point, I think we've all realized – I mean, I, I've, I've been, you know, within the sport for 17 years. And, you know, I always thought if you build it, they'll come and, and – it's not that simple. Um, you know, we need a lot more platforms with, with big stages uh, to get it, get our sport out there and, and get people believing. Um, I can't say enough about Sam Rapport. Um She is, 
um, in a league of her own, and and what she's doing is incomparable to any anything anyone's doing in the sport right now. And um, you know, she gets the big picture, and uh, the reality is, you know, we need the support, um, you know, within the NFL to, to grow our sport, um, and. Also, you know, we need opportunities, and, you know, we get opportunities. A lot of times people find out, you know, we know what we're talking about. Um, we know how to play the sport, and we, and we can contribute. So, and I, and I think, you know, the NFL is, is starting to see, you know, both ways as well and starting to realize hmm, we, we actually could use women, um, you know, within, within our organization as well. So, you know, what those two are doing is priceless. And I know Sam, I mean, she continues to do great things. And and uh, I'm just so proud of, of everything she's doing and, um, you know, support her in any way I can. And, Allie, uh, you've been an amazing player. Wizen Hunt uh, added to your, uh, you know, arsenal. And you got Grisby and you've had Pickett. Pretty much a, a, a lot of good success. You know, you've been in the finals the last two years, uh, edging uh, – the elite and Jenkins out there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what can you say about the championships so far? I mean, it's, it's been a great, they've been great rides. Um, I mean, for your dad to own the team for the organization to kind of stand out now, not, not just on a social media level, but you know, overall just as a, as an amazing organization with great talented players, um, the transition from you to, uh, you know, for 2018, so it's been it's been kind of like this is was going to happen at some point, uh, and finally you made the you made the decision to do it. But what can you say about the title wins and uh, since you know 2015? I, I mean, wow. Um, well, first of all, thank you for you know the compliment of our organization. Um, we've been really fortunate. We've had a a core group that stayed with the organization um, from the very beginning. And I think that that's the key to um, our consistent success. Um, when we won it, I'll be honest, in 2006 when we won it, I, I thought we were going to go on a string and, and win multiple championships. And, you know, we, in 2009, uh, you know, we lost a close one to Kansas City. And, and it, it, it personally crushed me um, to the point that I became obsessed. And, and uh, you know, from, from that point on every day, um, did everything I possibly could to help us get back. And I, we have so many great players. Um, I can't say enough about Kenyatta Grigsby and Ashley was out. I mean, not only are they two of the best ever to play, uh, they're, were just amazing teammates. Uh, nobody cared about stats. Nobody cared about, um, me. It was all about the team. And, and when you have that, you know, base, within the team um, you know you can do a lot of things when people buy in to a team concept um, Allison the last five years Allison Fisher took over um, she's been in with the organization from the beginning and and really instilled a discipline that uh, we needed to take us to that final you know final level and, and propel us to the championship level and you know being in the Northeast you, know, you played played you know pretty much your entire schedule you know, we've never shied away from, from tough games. We've always been in the top with, with strength of schedule and, you know, had Boston. You know, we lost to Boston 11 straight times, and it was brutal, but it made us better. And, you know, that's, you know, we constantly put ourselves in the position to get better. So 
we were really battle-tested. Um, and Dallas, you know, always scared me. Um, and I had so much respect for them. I still do. And, you know, I knew that they were going to be tough. Um, and I think, you know, um, 2015, you know, we had kind of a dream season and, you know, got out early, fortunately, and then kind of were in that protection mode of keeping the lead. And we hung on. Um, it was a great game, a great game to be a part of. And it just also go to sh- went to show how, how much the sport has, has grown because I, I feel like it was really truly, you know, a true championship game and we weren't having these blowouts anymore. And 2016, um, you know, they, they came to D.C. We, we opened up with them at home and it was like, 18 degrees and I it was just horrible weather and you know I thought for sure it'd be much more horrible for them but that wasn't the case and we lost but honestly that loss was probably the best thing that could have happened to us and we fought our way back to the championship which really was probably the toughest game I've ever played in my career and ironically it was my last but it, it took all the years of preparation and hard work for us to win that game and it didn't go the way we expected you know Ashley was hurt I think in the second play of the game Kenyatta was hurt, yep. um, and we had to change some things, um, you know, and we were getting – the rush was brutal, and, and we we really had to change some things on the fly, but we, we've done it so much. Um, you know, we had an offense instilled that at that point for five straight years, the same coordinator, um, and we were on the same page, and we were able to pull our way out of it and took advantage of opportunities. And um, in the end, it came down to, you know, we had no turnovers, which is the key. Well, we had the one um, fumble. Um, but fortunately it didn't cost us, but, you know, in the end it was such a grueling game and, um, you know, it was one of those games you come out and you're like, gosh, how the heck did we win that? You know? And, um, it it was awesome. And, and, you know, I, I honestly really felt for Dallas, um, because I know how hard they worked and I knew how good they were. And, and honestly play, play them a hundred times. It probably comes out 50, 50. And, you know, that day we just, fortunately had more points than they did. And um, it was, I knew at that point in 2015, I promised the team I'd come back for one more year, Ashley, Kenyatta and I, and, and, you know, at that point we knew um, we were done. It was, it was time. Um, You know, we were, our bodies and, you know, we felt like we had given everything we had to the organizations. Um, The three of us had been together for seven years at that point. And, um, you know, we, it was time to, to, sort of pass the torch. So um, it was a great way to go out and uh, just an awesome I, – I thought it was a great championship game in, in general for the entire sport. Now, um, Allie, this year you had uh, Renegades Elite. Did you feel like the Elite was going to just get the rug pulled on them, especially with, uh, you know, you got Cahill out there, you got Smith going in it, uh, your, arch, your arch nemesis pretty much Boston. I just kind of had the feeling yeah. that they were going to pull it off. They were going to pull it over again, but it didn't work out. You know, I, it was interesting. It's interesting then turning into a coach, uh, coaching uh, Boston versus playing against them. Um, and yeah, honestly, I've appreciated them even, even more because when now when I watch film, I watch it from an overall perspective rather than, you know, individual uh, pieces of it. Um and, you know, all of their games, they they found a way to, to win, all of them. And I think that the, the bottom line is they had not faced – Dallas's defense um, is superior. Um, their secondary is the best secondary I've ever faced. 
Um, their line is incredible. And they, I just, they took advantage of things early. Um, you know, Odessa obviously had a great day. Uh, they, they mixed up some things early on in the game with the motion and, and really, you know, changed things. And I, I think Dallas just adjusted better than, than the Renegades did. And, and it was another great game, but, um, you know, it just goes to show. And, and I, I love that our sport's getting to that point. You know, you used to pretty much be able to predict every game. And, you know, when you're talking about the top six, seven teams, you really, it's, you really can't bank on any, any win anymore, which is good. Uh, that's what we want. So, you know, I know it was heartbreaking for Boston, but at the same time, you know, I, I, was, I was happy to see Dallas win um, as well because I, I know, you know, having lost twice and, and giving everything they had, uh, they certainly deserved it. Now, Allie, uh, you know, a lot of things have happened transition-wise for the Divas uh, this past season. You know, you got new quarterback, which is Amanda. And obviously, you being on the sidelines as a mentor, um, how proud were you uh, of the uh, of the divas this past season? I, I, you know, I don't think any of us knew what to expect. Uh, you know, given that you know there was so much change in the offense, um, and but we had a lot of players still in, intact, and we had our coaching staff intact. Um, Allison Fisher did, did step down, but everybody else was still there. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you. I mean, there, there were definitely growing pains in the beginning. The game was was abysmal. Um, and, you know, after that game, we're all kind of looking at, at each other, you know, wondering if we're going to win four games. Um, but we really dug out of it, and Amanda just grew and grew every game and, and really started settling down. Um, into, you know, and showing what she's capable of doing. Um, and I was incredibly proud, especially down the stretch. And, and we gave our, our our team a chance to win, uh, you know, in Boston, which is never easy to do. And I, I, we were, you know, basically one, one game away from the conference championship. So, um, I, you know, I thought, I thought we played great and uh, it, it's, just a, a building block to, you know, going into this year. And I, I truly believe we're going to compete for a conference championship this year. All right, Allie, you're on the sidelines now. Um, how does that change anything at all? I mean, uh, before you had to go suit up, had to get off of work and you get all this stuff going. Is it more intense now than it was as a player? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, physically, it's physically, it's different. I will say that, you know, with my body uh, physically uh, much better. Mentally, not so much. Um, (laughs) You know, I had, I had, uh, as the years went on, you know, um, I was able to compensate, you know, for, uh, you know, lack of talent or, you know, things I wasn't able to do physically, I can make up for them mentally um, because the game, you know, began slowing down for me and, and, you know, we were in a rhythm with our with the O-line, with my center, with, you know, our receivers, with Kenyatta, with our offensive coordinator. So we could literally, um, you know, pretty much at will, you know, I got to the point where, you know, I was audibling probably, you know, 50% of the time. Um, and it, it was, you know, and you get to that mentality where you, where you realize, okay, all I need is four yards, and, and that was really my mentality the last few years is, is four four yards a down, and, 
and not the mentality of going for it. Um, and when you step away and you don't have control over that anymore, trying to translate that back to someone, um, you realize, you know, things that we had practiced so much that, um, you know, had become sort of not, I don't want to say easy, but they had become routine for us were, were difficult. And, you know, I had to really, you know, I'm growing myself as a coach and um, I took over the offensive coordinator job uh, game two of the season. And, um, you know, I'm also learning, you know, you know, Amanda's strengths. Amanda has a lot of talents that strengths that I didn't have. I have things that she doesn't have. But the cool thing is what I, what I think is so neat is the sports kind of come full circle and I'm in a position to help her. You know, when I first started my first half of my career, you know, um, I, I, didn't really know what I was doing, you know, and I finally, you know, I was, certainly wasn't coached by women. Um, and I'd finally gotten to a point uh, where I know the game and I can translate it back. And it, it's, it's a huge challenge, but it's a good challenge to have. And, you know, I, I love seeing the growth, you know, and I, I love being able to translate that, that to the field, but it's mentally it's, it's, it's completely different. Uh, but physically it's, it's obviously, you know, my body doesn't feel it anymore, fortunately. All right, Allie, I'm, I'm going to just poke fun at you here. Your first loss as a coach, how was that? <laughs> um, I know it doesn't tough. feel right, but I know my coaches, when I, you know, we used to lose, they're like, you have no idea what I'm going through right now. <laughs> uh, because, you know, there's a lot of things you could have done, could have done, couldn't have, shouldn't have well, done. And, it's, you know, it's, it's funny you ask that because our first loss um, – was to Boston at home, and we had the ball on the three-yard line to win the game. Mm-hmm. And yep. I regret that call. I can't tell you how much I regret that call. And so you're in Pete Carroll's mind, right? Oh, <laughs> Pete Carroll's yeah. mind, like in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. No, I, only only I didn't throw the ball. We ran the ball. No, of course um, no, but, you didn't. <laughs> right. Um, but I ran the ball. Uh, well, I ran the ball the wrong side, but that's another story. But you, you learn from it. But, yeah, it's it's, it's gut-wrenching, you know, um, when you have the ability to win games and, and, and you don't. And it just goes to show how every decision um, – we had a really close one in Chicago, with Chicago as well and, uh, you know, got back late in the game. And But, but then things started turning. You know, we, we pulled it out against Pittsburgh. and But, but yeah, it was tough. It's, it's not – Losing, I hate losing more than I love winning. So, um, you know, whatever capacity I'm in, you know, it's it's painful for sure. And I'm just thankful I ended my career on a win. Yeah, and I'm the only reason I bring it up is because that's usually the the case with somebody transitioning from their playing days to their coaching days. It becomes a kind of a mental letdown, and you kind of start mm-hmm. questioning things. But uh, as one of my coaches uh, used to tell me before, it's one game and done, and you got to move on because there's nothing you right. can do to change it. You got it's one right. day, and you got to just kind of look at it and go, okay, you know, we got to make a better call because of that or this or that. You got to take notes, pretty much. And so you got to, you know, right. the opportunity comes under, and the downs are repetitive. He used to tell me before, every down is somewhat repetitive. The only difference is personnel. So you're gonna run the play, sure. but you know who you, who are you going up against? So uh, that's why I bring it up because I know, you know, uh, 
playing against Boston, playing against, you know, Horton and playing against, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, the transition now, um, Allie, what do you see in the East coast transition is everywhere. You guys have a new quarterback. Um, you know, Lisa's retiring out there. She's a receiver this year and she's got a new quarterback. Uh, Cahill's still up there, but overall, I mean, almost every, every East coast team is either transitioning now. It, it's, it's worrisome. I'll be honest. It's worrisome. Um, and, you know, sh- losing Chicago was huge. Uh, losing Chicago to so many players. But when you talk about, you know, the core quarterback play that has been around for a long time, and there are great quarterbacks across this league, but quarterbacks who have played, you know, year in and year out and competed, um, you know, unfortunately Sammy and I are gone. Lisa hopefully will be back at quarterback this year. I think we'll see that. Um, you know, and she's, she's the best to do it. She'll, she'll continue being great. Um, and, you know, I hope Al Cahill, you know, I, knowing what I know of her and, and we're, we're friends and I, I have a ton of respect for her. I think she'll play. I hope she plays another 10 years, but I think she'll, we'll see her uh, for, you know, at least a few more years, um, which is good, but it, it's worrisome because, you know, and that's the thing you don't have, you know, I, our situation in D.C. was much different. Um, you know, Amanda, uh, you know, I recruited her pretty much, you know, begged her to come to D.C. I knew she was, you know, searching for a team. And I, I knew that, you know, this was someone that had, had the potential where I could truly pass the torch to. Um, but there's not many, you know, you're not going to find a good quarterback, per se, sitting in the wings, sitting behind, you know, a starter who's been there for years. Um, you, you can't expect someone to do that um it takes a lot of sacrifice to do that and you know so you're talking about starting a lot of you know young quarterbacks uh, you know out from you know from the beginning starting from fresh and, and that's a lot to ask and and it, it is worrisome because you know a lot of a lot of these teams they have the core players that have been around for years and like in dc you know a lot of our we have a lot of retired players who are now coaching and they're investing back in the or into the organization um, but, you know, the, the seeing, you know, a team like Chicago um, fold is, is more concerning than anything, um, a top team like that. And, you know, uh, we're getting more and more teams, but, you know, is the sport watering down a little bit? And, you know, what is our goal? Is our goal to propel the sport or, you know, is, it, is our goal to, to, to be grassroots and, and to stay with the opportunity? And you, you want to be able to have both, but, but you're also concerned about the sport and, and the quality of play at the same time. I'm going to poke, uh, poke your brain here. Do you feel that because of the lack of top uh, quarterback play, we are going to see a, maybe a surge in running back play or that aspect of it? You know, that it's a good question. That's how it was, you know, my first, I'd say, five, six years. You know, you'd see 70% run, 80% run. Um, you know, the the bottom line is, to win a championship, you have to be able to throw in this league, period. You cannot. Defenses yeah. are getting better. Everyone's faster. Um, the, the, the corner play used to be not that great, and now it's, it's pretty good. You, you have to be able to throw. Um, that said, if you can't throw, um, what are you going to do? So I think, you'll, I think what we'll see is more athletes um, and less, per se, quarterbacks. For example, I am your classic – pocket quarterback you're not going to see me 
you know, n- nor will you, you know, rarely see me out of the pocket. Um, so you may see more, you know, of an athlete, um, uh, you know, running zone read offenses, uh, running the wing tee, um, you know, that kind of situation um, more than anything. Um, but we need, we need to be able to pass. Uh, we need to be able to throw. That's, you know, the, the reality is that's what fans like. Um, you know, I, I appreciate a run game more than anything, but when you're talking about marketing the sport and growing the sport, we need to be able to throw the ball. And I, I, they have to be out there, right? It's just, you know, where are they? And, you know, recruiting and, um, you know, Lisa and I have been talking about starting a quarterback camp for a long time. And, and hopefully, we'll, you know, when, when things get a little less crazy for us, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll start that. But we need to be able to start growing quarterbacks and, and pushing them. And, and I think there are, there are a good young crop, and, and I think Amanda is going to be leading that way. Now, I know Amanda's kind of crazy but not, you know, in a bad sense or anything like that. So, uh, from what, you know, from what I gather, uh, and she's an Eagles fan of all things, so I don't, I don't know where she's coming from, but anyways. Um, but I think she's got potential. She, she really, uh, to me, um, you know, kind of watching last year, uh, like you said, she did progress, and she got to that stage where taking the, uh, the team in a good leadership role, and, uh, you know, it's, a good, it's big shoes to fill when, you know, you have to fill your shoes, but, Overall, I think she's got potential, like you said before, and she's got speed. Uh, she's able to, I, I mean, she's able to see the field pretty well from what I gather from some film. But, uh, you know, where do you see her for uh, 2018? You think she's going to be that explosive, more so than she was trying to be last year? Yeah, well, first of all, I think, you know, being an Eagles fan would make you crazy by itself. You know, having zero championships—that's wow. what, that's what happens. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that listen, she has talent that that you just don't see. Um, she's got an incredible arm, and she can run. Um, all that said, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, uh, you know, at quarterback, but but you have to, you know, be able to understand the game and 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 more importantly, be a leader. And she's settling into that. You know, she. Her, her, the bulk of her career was spent basically her making something out of nothing on most plays. Um, and, and because of her athleticism, she was able to pull that off. But we all know if you're going to compete and win, consistently win um, at quarterback, that for one, it's hard to stay, stay healthy. And two, you just you don't continue to move the chains. You know, your luck, your luck runs out, especially against good teams. Um, you, right. know, you know how to defend that. So, you know, for me, it's a challenge of, you know, tapping into what she's best at and, and, but also, you know, keeping her grounded uh, in the sense of, you know, having the game stay within herself and not getting ahead of it. Um, You know, when you're that talented, sometimes you think you can get ahead of it. Um, But, and sometimes you can get away with it, but again, consistently um, it will bite you. So I, I think I truly believe, and of course I, I'm, I'm a little biased, uh, maybe you could say, because she's with us, but I, I think she's the best young quarterback out there. Um, and I, I haven't seen anyone that, that is a, as talented as she has. Now, all that said, I, obviously there's a lot of teams I haven't seen out West personally, um, but I, I have seen, you know, most of the top quarterbacks play. And, I, you know, I think she has a ton of potential to be elite very quick. And, you know, it's just a matter of, 
you know, how much work she's willing to put in. Um, there's no question. I mean, she moved to D.C. to play that alone. That, you know, that sacrifice alone says a lot. And, you know, I think if she can get this team behind her, um, she can do great things. And, and you know, I, it, I want Amanda to be Amanda. I don't want Amanda to, to be, you know, or even try to be Allie Hamlin. And, and I can tell you she's not trying to be me because <laughs> we, are, we are very different. Um, but well, I, I, way want different. Her to, <laughs> I want her to, um, you know, grow within herself and, and, and write her own path, you know. And, um, you know, I would love to see her, you know, break all my records. I mean, that would be awesome. Um, so I, I, I think she has a lot of ability. Uh, we have you know, Katrina Wilson's coming back, and, and we have our offense coming back and more players. And, and I think you're going to see an explosion um, this year. Awesome. Uh, we talked to Adrian Smith uh, about uh, two podcasts ago. She's really excited uh, for 2018 and obviously going up against you guys. Uh, Boston, always a threat and always a challenge for you. So as a coach at this point, is, is that what you look towards here, at Boston getting over Boston at this point? I, I mean, I think the bottom line is, you know, to get to the conference championship, we, we realize it goes through Boston and it goes through Pittsburgh. Uh, just, that's just the bottom line. Um, and, you know, down the road, you know, especially deep, deep in the season, you know, injuries change everything, um, especially in this game, um, in the women's game, you know, uh, one big player changes everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we all know the Northeast, and I'm not taking anything away from the South. I, you know, I hope the South continues to grow. Um, and but I think you know you're 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 looking at Boston and and uh, and, and Pittsburgh, and but at the same time, you know, we're still building this team. So me as a coach, all I'm thinking about right now is mini camp on Saturday, our last tryout, um, getting going, and really, you know. Um, hopefully getting into a groove early, starting where we left off last year. Um, and, and, you know, I, I plan on, on changing some things in the offense and, and really catering more to our strengths. And, you know, our schedule is always going to be tough. So, I, you know, it's not out yet, but, uh, you know, we never shy away. We're not that team that says um, we refuse to play X team. Um, we'll put Boston on our schedule twice. We'll put Pittsburgh on our schedule twice. Um, and, you know, as as long as uh, you know we're competing, um, you know, obviously, you know, Boston and, and Pittsburgh are, the, are those are those games that you circle. But you know, you can't take anything away from Philadelphia ever. You can't ever take anything away from Cleveland, from Columbus. I mean, I I always had the utmost respect for all those teams and and took one game at a time. So at this point, you know, we're just taking one game at a time and. Um, you know, if we open up with Boston or Pittsburgh, then, you know, we'll be ready. But, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, is to get to the conference championship right now, um, you know, it, it most likely runs through those two teams. All right. So you said last tryouts uh, this week, this coming weekend, coming up December 9th, uh, we posted the flyer on our Twitter and our Facebook pages. Uh, you can also go to DC, at DC Football, DC Divas Football on Twitter and on Facebook as DC um, Divas football, so you can get the uh, logistics out there in terms of the fees and what time you're supposed to be there and everything. So, um, Allie, so far, what have you seen? Uh, pretty good talent coming through the tryouts. Uh, what would you? How would you assess it so far? 
you know, as the years go on, you know, you learn, you know, you get excited about a, somebody at tryouts and then, you know, they fall off or you, they get in pads and that's a totally different story. So I'm, I'm hesitant to get too excited. Uh, the last player I was blown away by was Ashley. And fortunately she, she proved to be exactly what I, what I thought she'd be. Um, but we actually do have uh, some exciting young players uh, that we're really excited about. And we're really looking forward to minicamp um, on Saturday. It's, it's, been a, it's been a long hiatus for us. And we're, we're looking forward to going forward. And, and uh, hopefully uh, some of these players can, can, can latch on. You know, we used to be, for years, we were, we were so fortunate uh, to, ha- to have such a big roster. And, and pretty much not, nobody went both ways. Uh, for years and uh, you know we're kind of back to you know building the team back up and growing the team and so you know we're probably going to have some people go both ways this year and I think that uh, I think we're in a, our, our defense is in a is in a good spot and uh, offensively we have the pieces so you know at this point I, I love I can't wait to see what what the rookies can do because you, you know you really don't know tryouts uh, can be very deceiving so but that said, I'm definitely excited about a few of them, and and I've 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 already been arguing with the coaches. My stance is they should all come to offense first, and I'll let them know who who they can have on defense. But but yeah, well, I'm oh, wow. really excited about it. <laughs> wow, you're all firm. You're all firmed on that now. Huh? <laughs> I don't think they went well on the other side. What? <laughs> I need beef. No, you don't. I need offense beef. I know how that works when you start seeing certain. You start seeing a good wall for oh, yourself. Yeah. You're like, I need this player on this side. I think this would work. Yeah, internal, I mean, internal. You can't win if you can't score, right? So. Well, that's true. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we can't, we can't, you can't have an argument for that one, I guess. No, I mean, you, know, you, have, you have a takeaway of the ball. <laughs> it's true. true. Uh, defensively, I'm pretty sure they'll come up with other, I wouldn't say excuses, but other, you know, enlightening ways that you can win on a defensive end. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, more, sco- yeah. more points better, of course. Um, <laughs> let's talk, let's talk, let's talk about the business side, Allie. Uh, you guys have been very well received, you know, in the DC area, your dad's put a lot of time and effort, even with you at quarterback. Um, you know, Neil's done, does a great job with all the you know social platforms. So on the business side of it, I, do you know if you guys are breaking even or going over even? I mean, the fanfare, the fans, I mean, wh- what does it look like in terms of uh, the turnout? You know, I, you, you always like to see more. Um, and it's tough being in the D.C. area. Uh, Saturday nights, you know, in, in the spring, in the summer, there's a lot going on here. And it, it's tough. Um, it's tough to compete. Uh, it's very expensive to advertise in this region. Uh, we do everything we can. Uh, you know, we've, we were fortunate. We've been featured in the Washington Post a couple of times, which is huge. Um, but we're still, you know, fan-wise, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, you know, we each year we learn to try to make things better, to try to make things more cost efficient, you know, the fees, trying to make the fees as low as possible. Um, but it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to come by. It's tough, you know, um, that we still have to pay to play. And, you know, my dad, he's, 
in it solely for the the, the cause, and he believes in in, in the sport and uh, so much. He he's never been in it about money. If he's been in it about money, uh, he would have been gone a long time ago because it's 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 been a losing adventure, you know. Um, right. And, and, and which is frustrating. Uh, it, it takes a lot, and in the bottom line is you need people in the seats, and you know, a lot of it. One of the things I've noticed, you know, if if you have bad, if there's even bad weather on the forecast, it it cuts our attendance by fifty percent. If it's even oh, if yeah. there's even a chance of a thunderstorm, you know what I mean? Um, it yeah. it it changes everything because people are planning their entire Saturday, and we get a lot of thunderstorms, a lot of rain, um, you know, in the summer. So you know, it's a battle for us, and you know, things are very expensive in D.C. You know, rentals, field rentals are through the roof. You know, we don't get anything free. Uh, we're treat, treated like a professional team. Uh, so it's it's, but we have a very good front office. Uh, Allison Fisher is now in our front office. Obviously, Rich Daniel Neal is amazing, um, and my and my dad, and and they do everything they possibly can. Um, and the the great thing is they also do everything they can to you know, help us just worry about football and, and they take care of, you know, the administrative stuff, which a lot of teams don't have that luxury. You know, a lot of teams you have owners playing or, you know, um, doing, you know, wearing all hats. So, you know, we, we try to get better with it, uh, but it's it's a continuous struggle. And, you know, we're going into year eight, I guess this is year 18, which is incredible. Um, and I wish it were further along, but at the same time, like I think about, how long it's taken. I think about when I was a kid and, you know, going to, my dad would take me to Maryland basketball games and, you know, they were top five in the country and I would be one of, you know, a hundred people there. And, you know, now there's, you know, University of Maryland, they, they consistently get, you know, seven, 8,000 people, you know, it, it, it takes time to build and um, to really grow. And, and I think that we're battling a lot of things as a sport. Um, you know, I have a big concern with, with CTE because I, you know, I, I know there's an article in the, in the times recently about how um, the 12 year old boy uh, participation in tackle football is greatly reduced. And my, my concern is that if you, if your parent isn't going to allow a 12 year old boy to play, are they going to allow a 12 year old girl to play? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It, and it's a question that we really have to ask ourselves, you know, um, moving forward. Um, so, you know, I hope that the sports, here to stay, but, you know, I think that, that that flag is the real, most realistic thing to push in the future. We're really fortunate in D.C. We have a very big flag association, um, and I think that that's, you know, where, where things been, begin, and because the reality is girls playing with boys, is if that's not what we know, obviously, that's the only platform they might have right now, but that's not where we want to go. Um, you know, we want girls playing with girls, and, um, you know, to, to, to be on the same physical platform. So it's, it's a struggle. Um, and I know, I know the struggles we have, which means that, you know, I know other teams have, have the same ones as well. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to do everything we can in the movement um, for the entire sport. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully 2018 is better. All right. And you guys have been pretty much uh, in the community with like uh, the wow um, organization with the Redskins and stuff and doing clinics and stuff like that. So that kind of also helps to get some promotion stuff out. Um, Ali, I really appreciate you making the time today. I know you had a crunch schedule and you got your full-time job and, and I really appreciate it. Um, it's an honor to uh, speak to you. It's been a, a great uh, effort to, you know, get everything 
out there with the divas and now you're retired. Um, so it's kind of like, it's kind of cool to have you on the sidelines basically. That's what I'm trying to say. And now it's like, you know, you go week to week and see what you're, what kind of plays you're going to play out. And then I guess we have to criticize you now as a coach. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate you having me. And, and I got to tell you just from a personal standpoint, thank you for everything you've done for the sport, continue to do, um, you know, that it, we need more people like you and, and I, I truly appreciate it. And, and I'm honored to be on and, and anyway, you know, any way I can help down the road, please don't hesitate to contact me. All right, Allie, I really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, great piece on D, uh, Divas Detectives on NFL Films. You can catch it on pretty much at DC, uh, DC Divas Football on Facebook, as well as on their uh, YouTube channel. So take, take a look at it there. And so, uh, Allie, looking forward to 2018, uh, new quarterback, new chip, new divas. Um, we're going to be kind of excited to see how the uh, game planning week-to-week goes, especially with you on the sidelines. So I think that's excitement alone. And uh, retirement, uh, I don't know if retirement is in place beyond football at this point, but uh, retirement on the sidelines. So that's it's pretty cool, I guess. You're still in football. Yeah, it's, it's cool to to be able to have that opportunity to transition, you know, and, and I, I feel incredibly indebted to the sport. It's done so much for me. So it's awesome to be able to, be able to give back and then back to my own team and then back to these young players who, you know, were, were little kids when I first started playing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, we, we all love this, this sport, right? It, 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 it's life-altering. So uh, I'm happy to still be around it. Awesome. So, Allie, thank you again for making the time. Safe, uh, be safe out there um, in the uh, trenches, as they say, in the real trenches in life. And so we look forward to another chat, and hopefully it'll be in the spring when the Divas kick off. And you got uh, renegades and passion to deal with then. So we're, we're looking forward to close games, hopefully, at that point in uh, 2018 WFA season. Thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, Allie, thank you. Have a great night. Safe travels. You too. All right, guys, that was uh, the legendary Allie Hamlin from the D.C. Divas, uh, Team USA champion as well. And uh, she is looking forward to 2018 now on the sidelines, as she mentioned earlier. Uh, But uh, her career is very storied. Um, She's done an amazing job with the organization, her father as well. Um, just the DC Divas alone organization has done a great job over 18 years in existence. Uh, she talked about Chicago. She's also talked about the state of the game, how we need to get from, you know, a recreational standpoint to a pro state. Um, and she's been in, in the game for so long. She pretty much knows what she's talking about. And those are the internals and the hurdles that need to be uh, dealt with still, as she said before, there's, they've been on ongoing. So, uh you know, the IWFL has shifted to a pro mentality from from what we're being told. And now we're going to see whether the WFA takes uh, hold of that model as well with certain teams on the East Coast. Um, the WNFL still on the horizon, but uh, there's a lot of things that are positive that are going on. And so, uh, you know, she's been a very, very exciting athlete to watch throughout her career. And uh, she's made a, a huge impact on the sport um, in a lot of legends going out in the next, uh, what, year, two, or three. And we've got new faces coming up, and that's what we were, wanted to get, you know, get her on here to figure out where D.C. is going to be 
in 2018 uh, under the leadership of her and other uh, players that are contributing and how that's going to impact the team. So we'll, we'll find out April 2018 in terms of, you know, how's that going to pan out for. Um, so thanks to Allie Hamlin for coming in. And uh, thanks for watching and uh, being a part of our podcast as well. And so uh, you guys can always uh, subscribe to our Apple podcast via Apple Podcasts. And you can also go to Block Talk Radio here and follow us here and uh, share the, the podcast if you enjoy it. Like the feedback, we always love feedback. And so Troy Wilson and Holly Custis will be back next week. And we're going to talk about pretty much college football playoffs, as I talked earlier. We're going to be talking about week 14 in the NFL. Um, a lot of changes that are happening there. Uh, and we got a lot of guests lined up for the new year as well. And our Snapchat's going to open up on, in January, so it's going to be pretty cool. So keep an eye out, out for that. If you go to our Twitter feed, if you are on Snapchat, go ahead and link us up because coming up in January, we're going to be cool content on our Snapchat. So uh, we're pretty excited about that. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Views for Christmas and help out our project uh, get your cool shirt over 200 shirts on our zazzle shop it's the number one women's uh tackle football shop in the world and it's powered by zazzle.com so if you uh go to the worldwide tab under zazzle you can get check out your country code and you can order the stuff there and it gets there to you faster so uh, thanks for uh, helping us out with the project don't forget to follow us on our social media sites uh subscribe to our youtube channel at youtube.com and uh, check out all the shared videos that we've put up there over the years, almost seven years now. And you can check out all the amazing athletes that play women's American football from Europe, North America, uh, all over the globe. Uh, so um, be enlightened and go there. It's uh, on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Gridiron Beauties. And you can follow us on our uh, Twitter feed daily for the latest updates on our Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. So uh, Oscar Lopez saying thank you for joining us today. Thanks to Ali Hamlin for coming in. We'll look forward to uh, another edition of the Gridiron Blitz 203 coming up next week and more NFL and college football next week. So thanks for uh, listening, and we'll see you here next week. Have a great night, everybody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.